Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope, my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. As we jump into our conversation, I have a few things, or actually one thing that I want to highlight for us as a church. Um, We've been gathering in person for a little while now, which has been great. We've seen a lot of new faces, a lot of old faces that have been showing up, and it's just so great to see Vital Point Church just re-emerging into that in-person gathering. Online has still been thriving and flourishing, which is a lot of fun to see as well. But as we gather in person, as we gather together every Sunday... And even during the week, there's opportunities for us as a church to continue to serve one another uh, and serve together as well. That's a huge piece of who we are as a church, that we would use our hands and our feet and our talents and our abilities in community where we lift people up. And uh, this week as a team, as a staff, we were together and we're like, okay, what do we kind of need? What's going on in our world, in our realm of Vital Point Church? And the creative arts team was just like, hey, we need some people to step up. We need some people to say like, hey, I would love to join the band or behind the scenes and the tech and the sound and the cameras, um, just to make sure that we're giving those teams also rest and rhythm in those habits in their life where they're not just serving like crazy and they never get to take in the service or be part of it. But we just got so many incredible uh, opportunities. So creative arts is something that we were just saying, you know what, let's ask and seek if people can step in. If you're like a person who's like, you know what, I'm not techie, but I'm super teachable, we'll take you. We'll absolutely take you. We would love to teach you the ways of the computers and everything like that. Now, we're not going to just throw you on guitar or anything like that. That might... There's an audition for that. But uh, we just got great opportunities. If you're like, you know what, I'm someone that can kind of step in and go for it, uh, just head to our website, butterpointchurch.com backslash join a team. If that doesn't work, next steps and events, it's all right there on our website. Great opportunities. Not just creative arts. We just wanted to highlight that team right now. And uh, as we jump into our conversation, I should probably introduce myself. My name is David. I am uh, the Community Connections Pastor here at the church. I'm also the site leader of our Exeter location. What's beautiful about us as a church, we're a multi-site church that is trying to reach thousands of people through that expression. It doesn't have to just be one location, one building. It can be multiple locations all over Ontario, and we're seeing where God is kind of moving already and seeing, okay, how does Vital Point plant churches in southwestern Ontario and even places around that as well? So my wife and I, we live in Exeter. We planted that church a few years ago, and it's been incredible to see God move, not just in Poplar Hill in the London region, but all all over the place, like Exeter as well. Small towns, rural towns, there are a lot of fun jumping in, but in the big city as well, it's just incredible to see God moving. Okay, let's begin our conversation today. We have been going through this series called Exposed, uh, Christianity Exposed. Um, or exposed Christianity, pulling back the curtains of the Christian faith. And as I was reflecting on this series, we're about four weeks in, this is week five, there's been some things that have been highlighted in my life, in my faith journey, in my walk with Jesus, that I've really loved about this series. And I want to share them with you. There's four things. There's a lot more, but I narrowed it down to four that I would like to actually share with you. The first one that I've loved is the buzz around Jesus. We've been looking at the Gospel of Mark, and very quickly we'll see that there's a crowd that 
surrounds Jesus almost all the time in his life as his ministry and as the mission of his life is moving forward. People surround him. And the buzz, I just think, I'm like, man, like the buzz of the crowd, the healings, the teaching, the preaching, it must have been incredible to be around and to feel and to sense. So that's something that's really stood out to me. The other thing that I've loved about us as a church is, and through the series, is our connect groups. Our connect groups that gather through the week, um, 6 to 12 people online, in person, they have really been struggling, and not struggling, in, they're, they're struggling. We need to pray for them. Uh, no, it's not that. They've actually been going into these conversations saying, you know what, I'm struggling with this. I don't understand this part of the Christian faith. Or some people are saying, you know what, I'm struggling with this, but I'm loving that I'm wrestling with these conversations. And that's what's beautiful about being in community around church, is we can do that with one another. And we've been seeing that through connect groups. And even people that aren't part of connect groups yet, they've been reaching out and saying, this has been ground-shaking for me in my faith walk, which is so cool to see. I've also loved seeing how Mark, the author of this New Testament letter, the Gospel of Mark, has taken the stories from Simon Peter, who was a disciple that walked alongside Jesus and took in, taken his stories and has allowed them to become so real for us where Jesus seems to leap off the page. The power, the beauty, the wonder of his presence is coming through the book and has really impacted me that way. And I've loved that. And other people have been saying that has been cool as, as well for them. But the last thing, number four, is big for me of what I loved about this series and who we are as a church, of people, individuals, but also as a community. We're not backing down from tough conversations that are had in the Gospel of Mark. We're not. We're not going to back down. We're not going to cower away. We're not going to hide in the shadows. We've been looking at the beginning of Jesus, how it all started, Mark chapter 1. We've looked at his authority that has been given to him from the creator of this universe, the Father, the, the creator, God. We've looked at the family that he has come to establish, the church, the body of Christ. We've also looked at how God has called us to scatter seeds, to be part of the kingdom making here on earth as it is in heaven. We've seen that, and today we're looking at, the title of my message is Unclean Spirits, Pigs, and a Healing. Hopefully I've got your attention now with that wacky, weird title of a message. Unclean Spirits, Pigs, and a Healing. I don't know who does the scheduling around here, but they gave me the topic of talking around demons. We're talking about demons today. You don't have your wax in your ears, you heard me correctly, okay? We're talking about demons. When we launched this series into existence, lots of people asked, because they either read, read ahead or they know the Gospel of Mark, they asked the question, are we going to deal with the wacky, the weird, the scary, the even dark stuff? And we replied, you just wait, it's about to happen. We are. We're not backing down from tough conversations in this book, the Gospel of Mark. See, our staff, our teaching team, and, and, our, and our leaderboard, we, we believe the time is now. It's time to pull back the curtains, not just on the Christian faith, where we can see how God has called us to live out our faith, or even explore and grow in the Christian faith and apprenticeship to Jesus. But he's also called us, and we feel like it's time to pull back the curtains on this world, and how we're living in this world, and what's been going on in this world. Ron, our pastor, did a fantastic job last week revealing the soft power of our world and how it's literally controlling our culture and so, how so many of us are going ahead and living our days and believing and choosing and speaking and acting out on the way the soft power of our world is allowing us and manipulating our world and how we live our lives. 
So why not follow up a conversation like that with a demon-possessed man, right? Let's just keep it going. Let's keep the hard-hitting questions and conversations going. Before I read Mark, or before Amy, our host, read Mark chapter 5, verse 1 to 13 about this story, I want to set it up for us. Because what's been happening in the Gospel of Mark is we're noticing that Jesus has been blowing the minds of people left, right, and center. Crowds surrounded him. They saw his authority. They sensed this, this amazement, this wonder, this beauty from this man. They had tons of questions. But Jesus did this. He blew the minds of people. Jaws were on the ground in the sand being picked up because they're like, who is this man? And what was happening, what we've been learning about Jesus is in his, ministry, in his mission, in ministry in his life, he knew that he could not stay in one place. God the Father wanted him, wanted him and desired him to move forward, to go to other villages, other places. And in this moment, we see him say, let's go to the other side. They set sail and they end up in this other town. But before they get there, they go through a storm. He says, peace, be still. And we get to this moment, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 13. Go ahead, Amy. They came to the other side of the sea. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met out of tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles into pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned. Right off the hop here, we've got to say, this is odd. <laughs> When I, when I was reading this, when I, when I found out that we're going to have this conversation around this demon-possessed man, I read it over and over and over again. I said, this is so strange and such an odd encounter in Jesus' life. Yes, the guy probably came across many odd ducks, the crowd surrounding him. The disciples probably had to play bodyguard every once in a while. But why this story? Why does Mark capture this demon-possessed man when Jesus comes out of a boat and gets to this town where this man comes towards him? Because this one in particular is odd. And you have to ask the question, why was it included? Why does Mark capture it? Why do we need it? Here's a demon-possessed man throwing himself at Jesus, and then the demons are talking through this man, and then to cap it all off, Jesus responds to them, tosses them to pigs, and then they die. It's kind of odd. We don't experience that too much in our day in life, right? Right? We don't experience that very often. I've never experienced that in my life. But what we need to realize here is Mark was up to something. Mark was up to something very interesting, adding this story to Jesus, about Jesus in this book. 
Mark thought it was important to include it so that we and the crowd that was going on in that day, that we would, that we would grasp and understand the depth of who Jesus is and the power that he has and continues to display. Like, this is big for us. The power and the authority of who Jesus is and still is. As we're reading this story, I don't know if you noticed, but there's three forces that stand out in the midst of this story. When I read them, I had to read it again and again and again, and I finally found it. I I felt I was feeling something. And the three forces that stand out in the midst of this story, Mark chapter 5, one, Satan, the devil himself, Two, society, also known as culture and community. And the third one is the Savior, who is Jesus. These are the three forces that stand out in this story. And I want to spend some good time today revealing the three forces that are in the midst of the story. Because many of us, or maybe some of us, haven't even thought about this in a long time, or even at all. These three forces are playing a massive role in our lives right now. You may not notice it, you may not feel it, you may not sense it, but they are. And I would go as far to say that many people in our world today are allowing forces one, the devil, and forces two, society and culture, to play a big role in their decision making. This is a tough conversation today, guys. Online as well. This is a big, heavy conversation. We're not backing down. Where I would say force three, the Savior who is Jesus Christ with all power and authority in this world, needs to be highlighted the most out of this story. But let's unpack all three forces together. First one, the devil. I bet you came to church today and you were like, oh, like, let's get heavy, eh? The devil. Many of us today need to hear that the devil is real and he is doing everything in his power to fight against the kingdom of heaven. Everything in his power. In Jesus' day, writers and uh, uh, the people that wrote the scriptures and The manuscripts would come together and they would write about the devil and they would use many titles for him. You can see that all through scripture, all throughout what they they captured, how they described him. And notice how I said titles, not a name. Not a name. Theologians and writers and super smart people say this is Jesus and writers actually snubbing the devil, saying you don't even get a name. We'll give you a title. And they use titles like the Satan, the evil one, the tempter, the destroyer, the deceiver, the great dragon, the ancient serpent, and there's many, many more. But these titles show and reveal to us that the devil's main goal is to steal, kill, and destroy this world and the people that live on it and in it. John 10.10, the thief came to only, only steal, kill, and destroy. There's his mission. It's not bring life and fruitfulness and love and and abundance. No, it's to steal, kill, and destroy. Very quickly, we see in this moment in Mark chapter 5, what he can do to a person's life. How he can control and even isolate an individual away from community. The description of this man's life could not have happened through human power. No person could have put this upon this man. It had to be the evil one, the destroyer, the sabotager. His hands were all over this story. See, many of us, and I tend to do this sometimes as well, that we picture the devil as a little red dude on someone's shoulder in a cartoon or in a book, and he's making people do bad things. It's like, oh, that was the devil on one side and then the angel on one side, and that's how we see him. He's a mythical character. That's how sometimes we portray him. 
I love what John Mark Homer says about the devil in his book, Live No Lies. And I'll tell you this, if you haven't bought the book yet, buy it because it's the biggest cultural book right now talking about the world, the flesh, and the devil. Dissects it like crazy. And he says this about the devil. He says, but for Jesus, remember, we think mythical sometimes. He says, but for Jesus, the devil is not a fictional villain from a Harry Potter novel. He's a real and cunning source. I put in bracket, a force of evil and the most influential creature on earth. Influential creature. I don't have time to unpack the whole backstory of this. Trust me, I wish we could. But what I want to highlight today for us is we are fighting against an evil force, an evil realm, an unseen realm that is trying to sabotage our peace and purpose in this world. And as John Mark Comer says, he's the most influential creature, not a person, a creature on earth. Like red flags should be going off in our minds and in our heart today because it's a heavy hard conversation for many of us to have. But let's look at the story of how the devil caught hold of this man and what he does to him. See, the devil in this story has an army, and the army is called unclean spirits, as we would call them demons. Demons are his dudes that he sends out. Jesus sends out disciples, people to expand the kingdom of heaven. The devil sends out demons to trip us out. Uh, Not trip us out, but trip us up. Maybe sometimes trip us out. We'll take that. Maybe he does trip us out sometimes. But he sends out these demons to get a hold on our lives. But what we also need to know very quickly here is that the devil is not behind every corner watching you. He's not behind every tree watching your every move or behind the door and listening what's going on. He's not omnipresent. God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere, sees everything. The devil, he doesn't have the power or the authority to be able to do that. One of my seminary professors said, he probably doesn't even know your own name. That's what's beautiful. It shows the power that he actually has. He doesn't have power and authority like our God. He doesn't. He probably doesn't even know your own name. He's probably out torturing some government official or watching Keeping Up the Kardashians or Love Island. And my point here is he's up to something stupid. Okay? He doesn't have all power and all authority. This is where I'm going with this here. He sends out his demons. And in Jesus' day, and even for us today, We need to see that demons are unclean spirits. And in this story, we aren't told how this man received these unclean spirits, but what we need to know throughout history and research and understanding how demons can get a stronghold on your life, not a foothold, a stronghold on your life, where they actually can take over, is in through the way we we live our lives out. Sinful patterns. Choices. And as we make those patterns, as we make those choices and decisions in our life, what happens is we are literally opening the door and saying, come on in. Through patterns, habits that are not of life, but are of destruction and chaos. And we're saying, come on in. Paul, the the writer of Ephesians, writing to the church in Ephesus, writes this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27. Be angry and do not sin. Don't take the posture of sin. Yeah, be angry. Show emotion sometimes. We've got to do it. Jesus did it sometimes. But do not take the posture of sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to who? The devil. He'll use it. 
He'll manipulate it. And when they enter into our lives, these who are demons and unclean spirits and have a stronghold on us, they can direct our feelings and our emotions. And when we give in to them, it changes the course of our whole life. Look at this man in Mark chapter 5, right? What happened to him? He lost everything. Lost everything. His family, his home, his friends, his decency. He was naked in the wild. He was cutting himself. He lost self-control. He ultimately lost what? His purpose and his peace. He had no identity. He was an outcast. He was lost. He would have died like this if he never came in contact with Jesus. See, what we need to realize and understand here is we are literally playing and flirting into the hands of death, destruction, chaos, confusion, and all peace can be sabotaged by the devil and his band of unclean demon spirits. We are. In our Western worldview, sometimes we flirt with the devil a lot, way too much. This needs to be aware for us that we understand that we are against an enemy, a realm that wants to sabotage everything in this world. That's force number one in this story. Force number two is society or culture. And this one can be actually kept quite quick because very quickly we can see in this story that it was very common for the culture and community to think about the demonic unseen realm. When they came in contact with something like this, they would go to, okay, this person needs a spiritual deliverance. They would pray to the gods. They would do everything in their power to try to free this person. But very quickly, we see, and ultimately we see, they don't have the power. They don't have the authority. Human beings don't have the power and authority to to banish these unclean spirits from this man. So they do what they thought was best, right? They chain him down. They try to tie him down. They try to control his life like that. And what happens? They break free. It fails. They still control him. They break free from the chains and lead him to being isolated into the tombs and the wilderness. Lost, scared, afraid, no identity. That's what happens. And for us today, we need to realize again in our day and age, in our Western worldview, Western worldview, North America, our life looks very different. We don't talk about the demonic unseen realm enough. And I would actually probably say, at all. The devil has done a good job of showing that he doesn't exist. He's not real. He doesn't have any power or any authority. I did some real exegetical cultural uh, research this week on my Instagram stories. I asked a lot of weird, wacky questions about the devil and demons. Does he have power and authority? And I asked the question, does the devil have control over our lives? It should come up on the screens here. Look at the results. No. 80% of people believe that the devil does not have power and authority and control over our lives. He's duped us. He's literally duped us. I don't have thousands and thousands and thousands of followers, but I have a few where it was shocking to see how the enemy can play and manipulate our culture and our society. The greatest lie the devil has ever told us is he isn't real and he doesn't exist. I had loads of people message me saying thank you to Vital Point Church for stepping into the conversation against the evil in this world. Not just flippantly saying there's an enemy, but dissecting it of what they want to do in our world. From this story, we see that culture and society wasn't able to do a thing. 
They tried, but it failed. It didn't work. He ended up being isolated away. Warren Wearsby goes on to say, an incredible Bible teacher and theologian, he says, even in our world's wonderful scientific achievements, society still can't cope with the problems caused by Satan and his army of demons. I would go on to say we have to give glory to God about the society and medical discoveries, but we must confess that it can't permanently solve all of these issues in our world. It just can't. It just can't. This man's life is a testimony that we need much, much more. This man's town, his village, his community had literally tied him down, chained him down, put him under guard and under authority. And what happened? It all was broken free from. It failed. The demons had such a strength and a stronghold on this man's life that all they could do was let him go from the community. Yes, did this man have problems that probably were self-inflicted? Absolutely. But what happened through his sinful habits and practices and choice-making and decision-making it just began to chip and chip and chip away at him and controlled his life. And what happened was he was just cast away. When he needed community most, it wasn't there for him. Because it was out of their power, out of their authority, and they didn't know what to do. Let's get to the third one. The Savior. Jesus. Here we find ourselves looking at a Savior whose name is Jesus to this man. And right away as I was reading this story, I was amazed by what was captured first. What was recorded. And we heard from Amy earlier. Well, what we notice here, what was captured first, is that Jesus allowed this man to come to him. Jesus, out of this boat, out of this storm that he just, he literally just said, be still to, this man comes to him. He's like a little physical, personal storm of chaos and confusion and destruction. And Jesus invites him into his presence. Through his pain, through his conf- uh, confusion, through his darkness, through the chaos, Jesus accepts his presence. And he takes the posture of love. Came to him with love. Even though he just finished dealing with the hectic storm, he invites this man into his presence. Not only did Jesus allow him to come to him, but he even spoke to him. I wonder how long he was by himself in the wilderness, in the tombs, cutting and losing self-control, where he'd never probably even seen a human in a long, long time. And Jesus speaks to this man, and then he allows him to speak. Allows him to speak. Society pushed him away because they didn't know how to deal with him. He allows him to speak. Society didn't know how to treat him. Jesus treats him with what? Love, honor, and respect. Jesus came for the lost, the broken, the defeated. Luke 19.10 says that for the Son of Man, who is Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was showing this man that he was for him, that he was with him, that he saw his soul that was full of sin and brokenness and these demons and now captured and controlled by these demons and a few thousand of them. But that's crazy to think. A few thousand of them were inside of him where his soul had lost peace and purpose and the enemy of this world had a grip and control of everything that he was about. He lost it all. And he comes to Jesus. And what I love about this here is what's incredible is what we see 
is that these demons right away notice Jesus. They know him by name. I don't know if you know, but the story before where Jesus is on the waters with the disciples and the crowd actually followed him in boats because of the amazement, the buzz around him was incredible. They just wanted to be around him. The storm that Jesus literally went through right before this man, writers and, 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 and scholars actually believe that this was demonic. The storm was demonic of the devil to say, no, I'm going to try to capture Jesus and stop Jesus here. And then he sends this man to him. Where Jesus says, peace, be still. And then he encounters this man where the demons literally come before Jesus and they throw themselves at him and they call him Jesus, the son of the most high God. Not plural, gods, the most high God. James chapter 2 verse 19 says, even demons believe and shudder in the presence of the most high God. And what happens in this moment for this man? The demons literally throw themselves at Jesus because they know of his authority and the power that he has on earth from the Most High God, the creator of the universe. They submit to him and they beg him. Did you know that demons actually believe in prayer? They actually believe in prayer. The moment when it says they beg Jesus to not torment and throw them into the abyss can be seen as a prayer because they know that Jesus answers prayers. He wants a relationship with people to be spoken to, to be brought in. And these demons literally beg Jesus to answer their prayers. Little did they know they would die. <laughs> They'd be banished. But this should be encouraging for us today. That the evil one, the demonic, the chaos, the sabotager, the, the, like the prince of destruction trembles at the feet of Jesus, begging him to stop. Because they know the power and the authority of him. What did Jesus do in this moment? We've got this weird moment next where Jesus listens to these demons and tosses them into pigs. And a few people reached out to me and said, okay, like, what's up with the pigs? Why? Why the pigs? The pigs play a big part in the story. A massive part. The pigs represent a few things here. And the first thing is, it represents the deliverance to this man. This man was spiritually delivered from demonic, unseen power and authority in his life. He saw it leave his whole body. It went cast into the pigs. He was shown the evidence of the power and the authority of who Jesus is. The crowd needed to see it as well. The community needed to see that, holy smokes, we don't have the power of the authority. Only this man does. The second thing that it represents is a vivid lesson to the devil himself. To the devil himself. In this moment, Jesus is showing him that a pig is as good as a man. Satan will make a man into a pig. Allowing him to eat the filth of this world, consumed by the garbage, taking in everything that looks pleasing to the eye and to the physical touch. That only lasts for a few moments in your life. Not eternal. Satan will make a man into a pig. This is a spiritual warning to us about the power of sin and who Satan is in our lives and in our realm. These pigs going over the hillside is the image of what sin in our lives can take us to the depths of death. I know this is heavy and hard. 
I know this is heavy and hard. But it's essential for us to see that we are fighting an enemy of this world. This is a spiritual warning for us to see the power of sin and Satan and his enemy and his, and his army of demons. Where when we allow sin through patterns and habits to control our decisions, our choices, our ideas, and our world, we will lose all sense of purpose, all sense of peace, and many of us will become isolated and away from family and community, and the evil one will blind us and have us at the grip of his unclean spirits. What happens here at the end of the story? Jesus restores and brings spiritual deliverance to this man's life. A healing. A healing. The community tried, and they couldn't do it. The community tried, and they failed again and again. Only Jesus could do this. The result is the eternal power and the glory of deliverance came from Jesus Christ, who has all power and all authority to do this. No one else. Remember, the culture tried to. They lived it. They they prayed. They tried to do everything they could, but it failed. Only God's Son and Holy Spirit have the authority and power to save a man from the demonic realm. The enemy of this world shudders and shakes in front of this power. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Delivered us from the dominion of darkness. See, maybe many of us today the simple takeaway is the essential mind shift to say, I'm done with falling into the hands of this world, the flesh, the devil, the enemy. I'm done with this. Many of us, maybe today, like this man, need to confess that my peace in my life has been completely stolen and sabotaged and taken away. Where we need to get on our hands and knees and confess to the Savior, who is Jesus, who has all power and authority. And say, I'm done being tricked. I'm done flirting with the devil. I'm done with this in my life. I'm done being captured by the sins or, or the patterns in my life that is allowing the devil and his enemy and, and, his, and his army to come into my life. I'm done with being tricked into thinking that there isn't an enemy. I'm done with that. I'm done with my peace being taken away. Maybe some of us need to say today, Jesus, bring me a healing like this man. Bring me a healing. I want to reclaim the peace that you have for me and that only you can give me. Because guess what? Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. No matter the storm, no matter the, the chaos, the destruction that we've brought in or other people have brought in, no matter what's going on in our, in our life, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Romans 8.38 says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers... Sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> my iPad is freaking out here again. There it is. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in this creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The devil's trying to get our hearts. And today I'm saying, not today. Not a chance. He's trying to capture our minds. And today I'm saying, not today. See, I, I love the word deliverance. It's a big word that's actually popping up in our culture now in the, in the Christian world where we're noticing people need deliverance. But then the enemy's done a good job of tricking our world and our society. Our Western world, for sure. But this word deliverance is intriguing to me because within the word is the word live. Live. Jesus desires us to have life. And life to the full, only through Him. See, our culture, our society has been tricked into thinking that life comes through success, money, sex, with multiple partners. Seeking the things of this world. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? For fame and fortune and successes. That's where life is. Let's just leave us empty. When we do that, we're playing into the hands of the devil. We're allowing him to win. But today we need to stand firm and say, not today. You're not taking my life. You're not sabotaging my peace or my purpose. Or maybe you're today and you're thinking, you know, he already has taken most of that. Maybe you're like the man in Mark chapter 5 where you are seeking a spiritual deliverance today. Maybe you know someone in your life today that needs this. Needs to hear this story that Jesus has all power and all authority to banish the enemy in the unseen realm of this world. I love Mark chapter 5, verse 20. We didn't read this at the beginning, but this man, after he receives the spiritual deliverance, his response is beautiful. He says, he went away and began to proclaim. If you've got a Bible underline that, proclaim how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Because the community knew. The story was out in the community of who this guy was. What was going on in his life. And he received a healing and he proclaimed it. See, many of us are proclaiming many things in our lives. What we've purchased, what we're getting, where to eat out. What would it look like if we proclaimed the peace and the purpose that Jesus brings to our lives and restores? How many stories of life change would we hear? If we began to live on mission saying, I've got peace, I've got purpose, and it comes to a relationship with Jesus, encountering the authority and power only through Him. So what do you do with this? What do you do with this story? What do you do with the devil, culture, and the Savior? What do you do with this? We need to balance this and understand that not everything in our lives is the result of the devil. Trust me, okay? I'm not trying to tell you to take away that today. Like, everything bad in this world is the devil. 
No, it's not that. You failed the test because you didn't study. You got you didn't get the job because you probably weren't prepared for the interview. We can't always blame those things on the devil. You can't. But what we need to realize is that we are actively in a war against the schemes of the devil. He's described as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Devour. He will take advantage. He'll try to get through every door that we open. We're one click away sometimes from allowing him to come into our life. We're one rhythm or habit away from him coming into our life. Getting strongholds in our lives. Not footholds, strongholds that strangle someone's purpose and peace. But as a church, we want you to understand and take away something and beware that we're in this battle, but what helps us realize is that we're not in this battle alone. This man going through chaos, destruction, little physical storm with inside himself, and who comes alongside him? Who invites him in? Jesus. With love, honor, respect, and power and authority to push away anything that the enemy is trying to do in our lives. That's comforting. To know that we have a God that says, I see you, I know you, and I'm going to walk through anything in your life with you. Just come to my feet like this man. You might be sensing today that you need freedom. And I would encourage you, start the conversation today with God, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Say, God, give me that deliverance that I desire. Calm the storms inside my heart. Give me peace within my life so I may walk with purpose and authority through you. He can break all the strongholds. The enemy doesn't stand a chance. And the best thing is, God's already won. Listen to this song.